Mosgill has been the inspiration for a local who's turned his musings into a bespoke hardcover book. Athol Parks makes his living from walking tours around Dunedin, but of course that had to stop during last year's lockdown. Since then, he's worked with local bookbinder and printer David Stedman of Duty Bound to produce Alert Level 4, a limited edition set of books chronicling each day of the 2020 national lockdown. This is also a story that might give other writers some ideas on what's got to be considered when it comes to self-publishing. First, Athol reads one of his reflections from a Level four. The title is Mosgiel is not Dunedin. We're getting to know our neighbours. It's about time. We have lived here for years, but we're not from Mosgiel. We moved here from Dunedin. Our daughter's at school in Dunedin, and most of our work has been there. Mosgiel was a separate borough until 1989. It's not Dunedin. We live on the edge of town. It's beautiful, and I often walk here, though I rarely meet anyone. It's different now, during lockdown. A man is laying pavers. He's new here, and his work is very neat. I was a banker, he says. I can do anything. He looks at me. Are you Catholic, he asks. I've seen many Catholics on this street. Ethel, during lockdown, I mean, it's such a seminal moment now, isn't it? We all had our way of coping. How quickly did this idea come to mind? Well, it, it sort of came to me the first day. Naturally, I went for a walk around my neighbourhood, which is Mosgiel. And, you know, going into lockdown, I think I was as apprehensive as anyone in the country, possibly more so because I was concerned about the future of my business, you know, my, my guided walk business. But um, I like walking, so I went for a walk, and it was actually surprisingly uplifting. And when I got home from the walk, I actually wrote about that, which I often do. But then it was later in the day, I went for a bike ride, and I thought, right, I'll, I'll, I'll set myself this goal, I'll write something every day. And as if to confirm that that was a good idea, suddenly this youth came pushing down the road towards me on a skateboard. And, and I actually mentioned this in the first story in the book, and I say that he waved. He didn't wave. He did this amazing great big sort of giant slalom curtsy, this great big full-body movement. And I thought, yeah, that's cool. That, that's a sign that this is, this is a good thing. So it came to me that day. I didn't know where it would lead, but I felt it was my only bridge out of what was potentially a pretty dark place. It must be interesting for you rereading what you wrote at the time. It's like a diary, isn't it? But do you get a sense through those days of despair, of hope, highs and lows? Yeah, there were definitely highs and lows. So I know first, and it doesn't come through in all the stories. It, it, it does in some, but personally, I felt that. So the first few days, I noticed people, a lot of people out and about. The weather was actually really nice. And people were smiling and we really were engaging. I mean, you know, not physically, but actually across the road. And it was actually really special. But then about day three or four, there was some really grim news coming in from overseas. And and it was like, I remember one day, it was just so depressing. You know, it was just, yeah, that was actually really uh, quite bleak. So yeah, it was up and down. Ethel, as, as you're reading through when you were writing, were you writing events that happened to you every day? Were they thoughts that came to you when you were walking? What's the, what's, is there a, a mix, do you think, of ideas and styles, uh, rather than it being, say, a diary? Yeah, it's not a straight diary. It's a bit hard to pin down. Um, I'm reluctant to try and pin it down, but, gosh, there was no shortage of material. I mean, some of the stories are pretty serious, and, and they're about, well, alertly before, it refers to the the lockdown and, and so there's references to COVID-19 and, and and what that led to but but also there's this general sense of um, the heightened degree of sensitivity that I felt and, and I'm sure others did at the time 
But lots of really um, down-to-earth you know, you know, observations of, of um, my family, apologies, and, um, and the neighbours. And, you know, pottering around in the garden, you know, because, you know, I like doing that stuff, and it was actually, it was good for the soul at that time. So, and there's, there's quite a lot of humour in there. But, you know, there's observations about, about the visitor industry and about politics and, and the economy. So you, you did the writing, you loved the writing. You hadn't produced a book, though, I think, before, Athel. So the next step is quite a big one, actually, yes. when you think, OK, this comes into print, this is where David comes in. He wasn't. He said, look, I've never done this before. I don't know, you know, where to begin. And um, I said, well, you know, you're going to need a printer. And this is where um, Graham McKinstry from MCK Print helped. I just steered Athel straight to him. I, mean, I think this is a useful conversation for other people who may be looking at self-publishing a quality book, really, and going to all that effort of design and bookbinding and finish. So your first experience working with a designer, Athel, how was that? I mean, had, did you have a vision in your head of how you wanted your words to look on the page? I, I had a pretty clear vision for, for the work, but things like typeface. Graham immediately settled on, on this typeface, which... And he mentions it, what it is on the on the book's biblio page. It's I think he says the font family is is Warnock Pro. So I don't know anything about Warnock Pro, but it looks great. So yeah, I had a vision, and thankfully these guys kind of shared that vision. So um, and it's funny we haven't been in a room together yet, the three of us, but we just trust each other, and and, mm. and I think I think it's worked. Mm. David, from the bookbinding point of view, I mean, there's just something kind of medieval and, and beautiful about that craft of bookbinding. What got you into it? Well, uh, I didn't really set out to be a bookbinder. I didn't pursue it at all. Um, I was like any kid coming out of school wanting to earn a few dollars, you know. Um, but I, I did start out as a printer's assistant uh, working in a factory where my brother was already doing an apprenticeship. They said, we're going to create two apprenticeships, one in printing and one in bookbinding. And I said... Well, you know, I'll stick around and be a bookbinder then. Then uh, I kind of parked those skills for a while at the end of my apprenticeship. Uh, there was not a lot of work. That was the, you know, sort of the mid to later 80s where there was a massive downturn in a lot of areas, and especially in printing. And in particular, in my area, it was already it was already diminishing to becoming, you know, either highly automated in other parts of the world or just, you know, what's left over in, you know, various small outfits around the place and. Um, I got the opportunity to, to go to the Dunedin Public Libraries and start as a qualified tradesperson there. And that kind of kicked me off into the next phase with bookbinding because I was at the bench for years just, you know, repairing books, making books by, by hand. And so you get plenty of opportunity to practice your craft and also dabbling into areas of conservation, book conservation and also book restoration for you know for outside clients at that time as well i was there for about uh, 14 years in the end so a book like um athels that you're working on in, in 2021 are the skills that it took to produce the 50 copies of that mm. the traditional skills or is it a combination with modern technology where is book binding at and uh, now i work for myself i'm not about to start investing in you know, machinery that's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and try and compete in a market which is mostly for as far as book production is is overseas and but having come through my library background, um, I lament the quality of, you know, book production is it's not that good much of the time, but because it's you know it's very competitive to try and and you're cost competitive and so forth. So I have to step right off that, 
And I call on my time as an apprentice in a, in a printing factory that also ha- happened to be a publisher, which is John McIndoe Printing and Publishing at the time. So I had that, um, you know, that uh, footing in that area. When I was working there, we had a lot of... I, I got to handle, even if it was just folding them, a lot of small local publications as well as larger ones. And so it really kind of put me in that space. And then moving into the library... Well, you know, once again, you're just you're immersed in so many different areas, but also book structure becomes something that, um, you know, you really pay attention to because you're trying to make sure that the books that come out of there at that time when they were doing a lot more rebinding was going to be able to be handled by um, some pretty careless people, really. Worst case scenario had to be taken into account. So that kind of also followed into my ability to produce books um, in a way that meant that they had a lasting quality and a feel for them. So there's still a great deal of the hand, the oh, hand absolutely, crafted in this? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you're doing 50 books, you're not, you know, you're looking at, I do use, I've got, I'm very lucky to have a book sewing machine, but it's hand set up, hand fed. The machine, I think, was built in 1964. You know, I love the idea of leaving something behind like that. I think, and I think with Ethel's book, there's a, I was saying to him, there's a good chance that in 100 years, someone's going to be thumbing through one of these and that's a great thought you know it's a great notion are people coming to you with books that they treasure that they want repaired you mentioned before about repairing at the library yeah are those skills still being put to use by members of the public look there is a demand there definitely you know inevitably I I still get many you know family bibles the big old leather family bibles you know I get approached by those and I have certainly done a number of them over the years but really it's become harder and harder for me to you know take on that level of work just because of the sheer number of hours that it involves you know should people decide that they would really want to go ahead and do it and i i like to do things the right way and you know there's no shortcuts Alert Level 4 is written by Athol Parks and printed by David Steadman, who you heard there. Athol tells me that another 50 bespoke copies are being printed now after the first 50 sold out. 